Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you all here this Sunday morning. I thank you, Austin, again for the introduction. But again, I just thought it would be wise, even though we covered some of those things. I know I'm probably a familiar face to some of you, so I just wanted to start by giving a brief introduction of who I am, my involvement here at Calvary, and how I kind of got led to teaching uh, this lesson this morning. So my wife, Shelby, unfortunately couldn't be here this morning, um, but we've been married for four years. It'll be five years October 12th, and as I just mentioned, we're expecting our first November 30th. We just found out a couple weeks ago that we are having, having a baby girl, so an extra bonus. Uh, <laughs> but I was just talking to Noah, too, because uh, I've known Noah for a long time as well through YMI and everything, and it's just kind of cool to talk with him as we're both going through the same experience uh, together. But my wife and I uh, initially started attending CBC in January of 2020, and then really just a year after that, we both became members here at Calvary, and then so all in all, we've been going here for three years. But it's been hard to believe that already about two years ago, Austin wanted to take a group of men uh, from church who might be interested in doing a study on prayer together. And so although it was facilitated by Austin, everyone who participated had signed up for an online course from a professor at the Master's Seminary by the name of Brad Clausen, and he had pre-recorded his lectures uh, to make it available for us to watch individually on our own, and that just helped us all together navigate through understanding what is biblical prayer. So we would have reading assignments, homework, quizzes, and then we would meet once a a week to discuss the subject or the chapter that we were going through. That being said, with Austin implementing the summer series on the spiritual habits or rhythms of grace and discipleship, he had reached out to me a little while ago uh, asking if I would be willing to teach on biblical prayer and share with you some of the key takeaways I had learned from that study. I would also like to mention that even though I'm here to teach what I took away from that study, I am also here this morning teaching this to myself. I have plenty of areas in which I need to grow in, including my own personal and family prayer life. And so with that, I think it's fitting that we just open up here with a word of prayer. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this time this morning that you have given us. I think it's so fitting um, as we leave uh, church service and had Pastor Brett emphasize and hit the priority of having the the Lordship of Christ govern our minds. And uh, as I'm teaching here this morning on prayer, may that be our, our goal, may that be our perspective to always have you, Lord, govern every thought and take every thought captive to you, Lord. Um, May we be men and women of the word and men and women of prayer. And may everything that uh, I teach today just be nothing of me and everything that you want to teach us through your spirit. I ask all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, as you see there in the slide, it says a closer look into prayer. And I want to kind of show us a couple of different surveys and look at some of these. And so the first question I want us to all kind of be thinking about is that if you had to guess, do you think that most Christians are overall satisfied with their prayer life or dissatisfied with their prayer life? So um, turn to the next slide here. It says, show me the stats. I know it's even hard for me to see that now, but I already kind of did uh, the math and everything. So that red dot um, represents 1% of the respondents. So this was a survey done in 2019 by Crossway. For those of you who don't know, they are a Christian book publishing group, and if anyone has an ESV or English Standard Version Bible, good chance it was published by Crossway. But they're the ones who did this survey. It consisted of over 14,000 people who shared various aspects of their prayer lives, and these are just some of the results that were found. 
So again, it's kind of hard to see, but you have a scale on the left there from 1 to 10, and 10 being very satisfied with their prayer life. Of course, 1 has like the unhappy face there at the bottom. But what I took away from this specific survey is that 72% reported that their prayer life satisfaction is at a 5 or below. So again, I already added up all those individual dots and add everything 5 and below, 72% recorded that that's where they're at. Another survey I want to show here, this is a different kind of response, but it says barriers to prayer. And um, the red says distraction, the blue says indifference, white says busyness, and the tan says just a loss for words. So again, this was pulled from the same survey, but these are things that people have found hinder their prayer life. The number one reason being distraction, followed by indifference, and then their busyness. Um, so after looking at the survey, a question I want again want to ask individually of ourselves is that, is this true of ourselves? Are we dissatisfied with our prayer life? And if so, why? At least according to the survey, do you think that more than half of these respondents feel indifferent or dissatisfied with their prayer life? Um, so <clears throat> I also want to highlight that these surveys were not directly related to the course that we had taken. But I wanted to open up with these surveys to make us aware that if we're being honest, I think all of us would want to have a better prayer life. Or in other words, be kind of closer to that smiley face we saw in the first survey. I think we would all agree that prayer is something that needs to be prioritized and not something that's just simply taken for granted. So, why aren't we satisfied with our prayer life? As Christians, we know that prayer is a biblical command and an expectation for the believer. And I want us, if I can have a volunteer, open up and uh, read for me Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 6 through 7. This is the one that Pastor Brett shared this morning as well. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Yeah. It could also be that we don't have a balanced view of how biblical prayer is modeled. So a question, again, we need to ask ourselves is, if we are discontent with our prayer life and we have all of these distractions taking us away from prioritizing prayer, do we really believe that prayer is effective? So what I want us to accomplish today is to zoom in and to figure out what we can do to change some of these results that we had looked at with those surveys, but not just so we can check a box, but because as Christians, we believe in the power of prayer. And if we discipline ourselves and exercise the spiritual fruit of self-control, I believe that we can make prayer a priority in all of our lives. And as Adam just read, and again, as Pastor Brett emphasized this morning too, kind of a key thing, that I, some key words that I want to take away from that verse is to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Biblically speaking, if we are living according to the flesh rather than in the spirit, our desire to pray and our ability to effectively communicate with God is and will be hindered. As Christians who have been born again, we have been given a new nature, but that new nature still resides in this body of flesh, and we are still sinful. As I have heard Pastor Jim West say, when we got saved, there was a part of us that did not get redeemed, and that is this body. 
or as Paul puts it, this body of death, and why we look forward to the day when this perishable will put on the imperishable and have a new resurrected glorified body. In this moment, we need to daily repent and confess our sins to the Lord and ask him for his help and to strength to mortify or put to death the sins of our flesh. For Christmas last year as a gift, I got Austin a coffee tumbler that has John Owen's picture on it, and it says, do you even mortify, bro? And that's his daily reminder that I got for him. But seriously, it is my belief that seeking the Lord's forgiveness and his strength to fight the everyday spiritual battles we all face is a humble but yet biblical approach to prayer and the way for us to be in close communion with the Lord. It shows our ultimate dependence upon the Lord. Another example is that if we look at the Genesis account, when Adam and Eve had first sinned against God, their initial reaction was to run away and to try to hide from God. That was already a direct result of our fallen nature uh, that we had incurred. In our current state, we will still wrestle with trials, sin, and temptations as long as we live on this side of eternity until we are finally called home to be with the Lord. But again, I want to emphasize when we sin, we should not run away from the Lord, but rather run to him and ask him for his forgiveness. A continuation of why aren't we satisfied with our prayer life. The primary reason most people neglect prayer is an overall a lack of discipline. And if we think about it, prayerlessness is comparable to atheism and is a declaration of independence from God. Now, this statement is a fact directly that was taken from the online course that we had done. This was the number one reason why it said that we neglect prayer as Christians. I don't think it would surprise anyone that atheists don't characteristically pray usually unless they're in a situation when they're immediately faced with their own mortality, like in a plane crash going down, then everyone's a believer. But just as we saw from the Philippians text, Christians are not to be prayerless. Living in today's society, I know and understand that all of us are busy. We have many things going on day to day, but let us never forget, brothers and sisters, that we're never too busy to pray. I want to also reiterate, it's not again about checking the box and hitting X amount of numbers an X amount of number of prayers per day, but it should rather be a natural response because we love the God who purchased and redeemed us and we need him. And again, as Austin pointed out last week, as I mentioned, yes, we've been given a new heart, we have a new nature, and we've been redeemed, but prayer and other spiritual habits, they just don't happen by themselves. They take effort, they take discipline and practice. Um, Austin taught on 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8 last week, which says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It takes discipline and hard work and even coming to the Lord in prayer to ask him to help strengthen us in the areas where we struggle. Scripture reminds us that apart from him, we can do nothing. Uh, I'll give you another personal example, and that's marriage. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've been married for four years, and I can tell you that communication is extremely important. Uh, the level of communication that I actually have with my wife can portray and even reveal the depth of our relationship. Now, am I always perfect at this point? No. And if my wife were here this morning, she would tell you that. But, I keep, uh, but if I want to keep a strong, healthy relationship with her, then communication is something that I need to prioritize. The point that I'm trying to make is that it should be the exact same with our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are not communing with our Lord Jesus, then that too is going to affect and even reflect our relationship with him. 
as we desire to grow in our love and understanding of our Savior, the more we're going to desire to come to him in prayer. Some other points made there are motives can hinder our prayers as well. Uh, When our prayers are selfishly motivated and we ask God for what we want rather than what he wants, I think that too can deter our prayers. As you guys remember last year, Pastor Brett led us through the book of James together, and I think he did a great job explaining to us that when we pray, we need to ask him with what is in accord to his will and to not ask wrongly as James puts it. The Bible mentions that it is better to give than to receive, and the Lord wants to bless us with heavenly gifts from above, Um, but as James says, we do not receive because we do not ask. So let's go ahead again and open up our Bibles to James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. James 4, verse 1 through 3. If I could have another volunteer read that for us. Thank you, Ben. And then can I also have someone volunteer to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, and someone read that verse for us. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. That's right. Thanks, brother. So, as we segue here, uh, this, uh, these are some quotes from some historical church fathers. So, throughout the prayer study that we had done, every time we would watch one of those online lectures of the videos that we had to watch, um, almost each week's video would share or highlight a couple of quotes from godly men who have gone before us. And these are just some of my favorites that I wanted to share with you because I think they are great reminders and encouragements for us, again, in terms of the nature of prayer and how significant it is. So I already kind of teased Austin a little bit about that uh, coffee tumbler I got him by John Owen that says, do you even mortify? But this is a realistic quote here. It says, if we do not abide in prayer, we will abide in temptation. And then Charles Spurgeon there on the right, and just if you don't know from him, he was considered the prince of preachers, and that's what kind of carries a little bit more weight to this quote here, but it says, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. And then a couple more. On the left there is Martin Luther. He says, as it is the business of tailors to make cloths and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. And then lastly, there I have John Calvin, and he said, It is therefore thanks to prayer that we have entry into the riches which we have in God, for prayer is like fellowship with God. Now, if I could speak to the guys here for just a moment, I understand that some of you here might be single, and maybe some of you it's time to update your wardrobe, but you don't know exactly where to start. Look no further. I had recently purchased a sweatshirt that has John Calvin's face on it, circled by the doctrines of grace around his head. And let me just tell you guys, my wife loves it. 
She asked me to wear it all the time, and you just simply can't go wrong with that. Um, so just let it be known that you heard it from me. No. If you guys know me, I had to throw at least one joke in there. I can't leave the house with it. So. <laughs> but uh, before we turn to the next slide, I want to pause and ask you guys another question. And then I actually want this question to be interactive. So what would you guys say you think the benefits of prayer are? What are the benefits of prayer? Communion with God, talk with God, yeah. Prayer changes the heart, mind, and attitude of gratitude. That's right. Maybe get one more. A daily reminder of dependence. That's right. <clears throat> yep. Uh, prayer promotes holiness, um, helps believers maintain a theocentric or a God centered view of the world. It's how we embrace the greatest gift that we could ever have, which is salvation itself, which comes through prayer in both faith and repentance. And again, as Pastor Brett shared with us, that reminder in Ephesians 2, that is a gift from God. Um, it shows evidence of God's work in us as he continues to conform us daily into the image of his son. Having a theocentric worldview or even a biblical worldview helps us all understand the world our creator, and his relationship to the creation. Understanding who God is and what his word says makes it easier for us to know what his will is and the things specifically that we can be asking him for. It's how we as Christians can help make sense of the world and show our ultimate need for a savior. And we'll talk more about that here on this next slide too. But some other examples of, or other benefits, uh, prayer provides for us the opportunity to experience God's goodness, or really all of his attributes, his forgiveness, his love, his assurance, his sovereignty. It provides true love for other people, both for our brothers and sisters in Christ and for the lost. Through prayer, we can confirm his nature as he has revealed it in Scripture, and we can see the blessings and gifts that he lavishes upon us each and every single day. We can pray not only for ourselves and for our family, but also for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can see that unity when we come together every Sunday, just like today, and see the love of Christ displayed as we pray together corporately for one another. We are also commanded to pray for those who persecute us and to love our enemies. We can pray for their salvation, and as we are serving as ambassadors for Christ, being disciple-makers, as we're evangelizing, someone plants a seed, someone waters them, but we can come to the Lord in prayer and ask for him to cause the growth. We can ask that the Lord would remove the blinders that Satan has used to blind the minds of unbelievers and allow them to see the truth and the light of the gospel. Something else we're going to segue into here is explain in detail what prayer is and what prayer is not. Um, so this is important, and this is pro also probably the only time at Calvary where you're going to see Joel Osteen in a PowerPoint presentation. But I want to highlight this because this might seem obvious even to some of us, but again, I still want to go over this because it is my conviction that not all professing Christians have the right understanding of what prayer is. In fact, some of the stuff that we're getting ready to go over is even popular in mainstream Christian circles. And you will see a lot of books on this kind of stuff in the Christian sections of bookstores. 
So I think covering what prayer isn't can overall help us better articulate or explain to people why we don't believe this is what biblical prayer is and how it's modeled in Scripture. So the first one I have listed down there is positive confession, sometimes referred to as name it and claim it. And that's, you know, why I have Joel Osteen's picture on there, not to pick on him, but that's something that he'll, he'll do or something that he's known for. He even has a book that I've seen in the Christian section of bookstores called The Power of I Am. And it's not what you think. It's not a God-centered view of him. It's the power of us. And uh, it's all about speaking things into existence in a way almost similar to how Christ speaks things into existence, except, brothers and sisters, there's one major difference between us and Jesus. He is the creator, and we are the creature. Um, the second one I have down there is receiving personal revelation from God. Let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And again, if I could have a volunteer read that for us. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down with Thank you. Every, all of Scripture is what we hold in our hands right here. This is the full and complete revelation of God. There are no modern-day prophets or apostles who receive personal revelation from God. God has given us everything that he has wanted us to know, and he's revealed it to us through Scripture. Another reminder is from Ephesians 2, which tells us that the church has been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That foundation has already been laid. And I think one more text that I think would be extremely helpful in this area is also Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 through 4. So again, if I could have a volunteer read it. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what'd you say? What'd you say? Oh, one through four. Yep. Yeah, thank you again. Um, here as well, some other examples. Prayer is not mystical meditation. It's not going to a quiet place of solitude and tuning in your body in your soul. And uh, believe it or not, there are a lot of new age philosophies that are trying to infiltrate the church that we just need to be aware of too. And I think all of these areas of recognizing what prayer is not can also help us practice spiritual discernment. Um, sometimes new age thought refers to us being little gods or little authorities that can decide for ourselves who and what God is, and that we can even determine our own reality and even our future. 
The reason, again, for having Joel Osteen's picture up there is because I've also heard him use what they call the sinner's prayer before. And basically, uh, maybe the pastor of the church just kind of leads everyone into a prayer, kind of a repeat after me, kind of raise your hand. He sees the hand, and then they'll say something. If you just pray that prayer, I believe you've been born again, or I believe you just punched your ticket to heaven or something like that. And I myself have gone to churches that have done that every week. And so the sinner's prayer is something that he would do at the end of most of his church services, and he usually would say verbatim, I believe if you just prayed that prayer that you have been born again. I also just want to kind of point out in regards to this kind of topic or this theme, um, if this does interest you in terms of practicing discernment, there's someone by the name of Justin Peters who has a ministry that is completely dedicated to discerning this kind of stuff to help keep and protect uh, God's flock safe. So again, if there's anyone who is interested in some of this stuff, I would point you to uh, Justin Peters, which, uh, which is where I got a lot of this information from as well. But again, in regards to the sinner's prayer, nowhere do we see this modeled or found within Scripture. We don't see the Apostle Paul persuading the Jews and the Gentiles in the public square saying, repeat this prayer after me, and if you just did that, I believe you've been born again. We got to be reminded that it's not us. We can't force or make someone have faith and repentance. It is a work of the Spirit and not by using some sort of mystical repeat-after-me prayer outline. So as we transition now into what prayer is, can anybody just give me a definition of prayer? What does that mean to pray? Someone's going to have the answer. (laughs) No? Yeah, thanks Noah. Communion with God, yeah. Um, Change the slide here. Yeah, prayer is simply communication with the one true God. It's the primary way to communicate uh, your or our emotions and our desires with God and for us to have fellowship with him. Uh, God already knows what we're going to ask before we ask him, but that's not the point. Uh, Christianity is about a relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have that access into the throne of grace. God accomplishes his sovereign divine will through means, and prayer is an effective means through which God accomplishes his will. We can be confident to express to the Lord what it is that lays heavy on our hearts and what our desires um, are to him. Prayer is also, uh, all prayer must be offered in faith, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who serves as our intercessor. He is our great high priest. And I have, again, a couple scripture references there for that. So the first one is Hebrews 11.6. And then if I could have someone for that. And then the second one, stay in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. Thank you, Henry. And then Hebrews 7, 24 through 25. <clears throat> but he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So... <clears throat> 
if someone were to ask me, now Skylar, I understand a couple years ago you took this study with Austin, a group of men from church who wanted to kind of study prayer together as a topic, but if you were to share with me just one major theme, one key takeaway that you got from that study, what would it be? And I would tell you that it was the ACTS model to prayer. Some of you might already be familiar with this acronym, but even if you are, I think it's great together to go through this and understand it. So as we walk together through this acronym, I want to point out that this is how we see prayer modeled for us throughout Scripture, but not to necessarily say that this is the exact blueprint that every prayer needs to mimic, but rather just allow it to simply help guide our prayers. So as I go through each individual letter of the acronym and I share that word, I want to kind of provide a definition of each as well. So the first letter is A, which is for adoration. And that is to render to God reverence, trust, and the love that God deserves, for example, through praise, worship, and um, exaltation. And adoration is the proper response because God alone is worthy, and uh, all glory and honor is due unto his name. And another scripture reference I have there is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 3 through 4. This is actually a song found, again, just giving adoration to to God. If I could have someone read that there for us as well. Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 4. He's righteous, true, just, and faithful. Um, thank you for reading that. Um, another good example, we don't have to turn here, but Daniel 9, 3 through 4, God is recognized as the great and awesome God. Amen. Adoration and prayer is assisted by remembering God's attributes, knowing again, as we just saw there in the Deuteronomy text, that he's just, he's faithful to keep his promises, he's holy, loving, gracious, sovereign, strong, and he does mighty works. Another uh, verse that we're all familiar with is that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. We know God who he is through his word there. Um, Confession is the second letter of the acronym, which means an open profession of faith, but also an acknowledgement of our sins to God. Um, If I had to kind of share what is the overall theme uh, of prayer in one word, it's humility, right? God's word says he gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. So confession shows our humility, our humble repentance. It expresses our agreement with God's revelation and his assessment of ourselves. So, for example, God's law or the Ten Commandments, uh, that is shown to us as a mirror for us to look at ourselves and see how short we fall to God's perfect holy standard. And we are in exchange, uh, broken over our sin, and again, recognize our need, independence for a Savior. Confession again, confessing Jesus as Lord is the confession of salvation. And I think this is a great uh, text for this as well. Uh, We have Psalm chapter 32, verse 5 through 6. Again, another volunteer. We're going to keep the word open this morning. (laughs) Psalm 32, 5 through 6.
Yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Um, <clears throat> the next letter is T, which was for Thanksgiving. And the definition provided there is to express appreciation to the one who is the source of the gifts that we receive. Uh, thanksgiving is an attitude of, oh, sorry, an attitude of thanksgiving expresses evidences of the Spirit's filling in our lives. Uh, again, we don't have to turn there for this one, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 talks about how thanksgiving chokes out anxiety and fear. And again, I think Pastor Brett kind of shared that with us this morning through Isaiah. Um, if we're men of the word, if we're men who truly believe and trust in the Lord, we won't have that fear or anxiety. And if we do are showing or displaying uh, fear and anxiety, then we need to, again, turn our mind back to the Lord and put our faith and trust in Him and be thankful to everything that He gives us. Thankfulness for God's covenant love, too, is one of the most repeated statements throughout the Old Testament. I think we all can agree that there isn't a list long enough of the things that we could be thankful to God for. He has given us and blessed us with so many gracious gifts, and I think overall thankfulness tunes in to how we can enter prayer, again, having the right attitude. And the last letter there of the acronym is S, and that's for supplication. And the definition is the act of asking something with great earnest and humility. There's that word again, humility. <clears throat> Supplication is to be made for any genuine need. Again, talking about, as we looked at the James uh, 4 reference there, asking God for things that are going to be in accordance with what his will, not what we see would be best for us in this temporal sense, but how is he using this trial to grow us and to mature us as believers? It is a recognition of our dependence upon God as well. And I will admit, too, that sometimes when everything is going well in our lives, uh, we can just be so prone to forget the one who has gotten us to where we are. We can at times be focused so much on ourselves and how hard we've worked and that it's all of our own doing. But brothers and sisters, again, may we never forget that it is he who has brought us to where we are in life and has given us what it is we need. The verb to pray just has a, uh, the basic meaning of asking, coming to the Lord to ask him. And then two areas that we should be praying to God about are for both, again, in reference to our spiritual and our physical needs. And again, I put spiritual there first uh, intentionally. Lastly there, it just says the best example of the entire Acts model is founded in the Lord's Prayer itself, which is founded in Matthew 6, uh, verse 9 through 13, Again, as we saw through other examples throughout the entire Bible, both the Old and New Testament, we can see that Acts model being shown throughout the prayers of the prophets, the, the men who have gone before us. And uh, like I said, this is not the, the, the outline that every prayer has to be, but again, rather just an outline to kind of help show us how our prayers can be in tune to recognize God for who he is. You know, the disciples, the followers of Jesus at that time asked us, Lord, teach us to pray. And again, if you kind of break down the Lord's Prayer, these are the four different letters of this acronym that you will kind of see outlined throughout the Lord's Prayer itself. So that's everything that I have to share with you guys. Um, the next 10, 15 minutes or so, Austin has a couple of handouts that I've put together a few questions that I think would be helpful just for you guys to kind of go over and discuss at your tables. And as Austin's doing that, I just want to close also with a, a word of prayer here too. 
So Heavenly Father, just thank you again for this time this morning. Again, I just pray, Lord, that you would equip us for every good work. May we continue to come to you and uh, live in the spirit rather than the flesh. May we have a mind that is being governed by you, Lord, and um, trust in you always and uh, allow the thankfulness um, that we have towards you, Lord, choke out the fear, anxiety um, that we sometimes can have, Lord. May we trust in you fully, love you daily, and um, just be with us the rest of this week, and we bless um, this time this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.